Welcome to the Coda, a music podcast and the perfect end note to your week. I'm Rob Christofferson, and with me, he's the mouth of the South to my heart foundation, the Mr. Ass to my road dog, Brian Hasty. Brian, how's it going, man? I've always wanted to be Billy Gunn, so thank you for uh, that rousing introduction. I'm super excited to be here. Uh, I guess you're kind of also giving away the topic of uh, this week's episode with that. I felt it fitting to uh, definitely bring out the wrestling references early as we will be touching on wrestling theme songs this week. You can't get more novelty than that. And <laughs> quite frankly, I had to, you know, bring it down a little bit in order to really drive home what we're doing today. I guess we could start by sort of talking about our histories with wrestling. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, why don't you, why don't you uh, go first there, Brian? Uh, so I used to watch, uh, there was a, I can't remember what it was called, but there was a packaged WWF program that aired once a week um, that wasn't raw that I used to catch with my dad Saturdays at noon um, in my childhood. Mm-hmm. And then I didn't have access to a lot of the uh, Attitude Era stuff, though um, the video store in my house used to have all of the pay-per-views, so I'd go over there and sort of like rent them in order. So I was able to uh, keep abreast of that up until like 2000. One two thousand two dropped off, and then I'd say in the last like four to five years, I've definitely been watching um, uh, wrestling, both uh, WWE, AEW, and also like uh, you know any other feds that I can get my hands on, sort of in and out uh, as time permits. Uh, for me, my first viewings of wrestling goes back to when I was nine or ten years old. I used to watch it with my dad. It was something big that my dad really liked to watch, and it was something that he and his dad bonded over. So automatically, you know, it got passed down to me. So I remember watching things like uh, the. I remember the Saturday morning show you're talking about. It's like uh, it was like hosted, but wasn't it hosted by like Todd Pettengale or something like that? Yeah, and, yeah, that sounds familiar. Yeah, uh, he like throughout the 90s like into the like later 90s is when he was around for that and uh but i do remember that program and i think michael cole did it for a while but i remember watching the first episode of raw my parents let me stay up for it and it was so fucking fun to watch it as because beyond that you had you know saturday night's main event every now and then uh most of the time it was just you know, random times when you could catch it, but Monday Night Raw brought it into your home every week. We used to get pay-per-views all the time, and then wrestling kind of consumed the household in the mid to late 90s because of all the stuff going on in WWE and all the stuff going on uh, in WCW because uh, basically WCW came on on Mondays at 8 you tuned in for that for the first hour, switched it over at 9 for Raw to see what was going on, and then you'd switch back and forth between commercial breaks, and that was our life. We got pay-per-views all the fucking time. Like, right. There wasn't many that uh, we didn't have, and uh, Mom was generally good about that. She didn't complain too much most of the time. There were some we missed because, you know, sometimes the the expenses were a little out of hand, but... I, wrestling was a big fixture in our household, and I catch it every now and then now. It's kind of, an, it's it's not something I watch as habitually as I used to, mostly because my dad's not around. Mm. Uh, and if he was, you know, it, it was just something we discussed, like, all the time. So, um, beyond that, like, I'll catch the highlights. If somebody recommends, you know, a really good match, I'll go and watch it. I listen to like one or two wrestling podcasts, so uh, I generally keep updated on what's going on. For me, I think the bigger interest is the lore behind wrestling, right? So I watched, Mm -hmm. um, and I'm watching Vice's uh, uh, Dark Side of the Ring. 
yep. um, docu-series, which is a lot of fun. And then uh, back in the day, I used to visit like WrestleCrap and other websites like that that I really, really enjoyed. Um, um, sort of like living out the lore of like the idea of notion of like kayfabe was like dead to me very early on. I kind of knew that it was all scripted no matter like what they tried to tell you even in the early 90s. So it wasn't real to you, damn it? No. <laughs> no, sadly, <laughs> sadly not. It was just like, it's the it's that weird thing where I realized like the Easter Bunny wasn't real and Santa wasn't real like early on in my life. And I sort of like accepted a lot of that because I used, I remember being like three or four and understanding the physical impossibility of Santa Claus being able to visit every single home um, in the world in a lot of time frame. And my mom just kind of gave up and was like, yeah, you're right. Wow. Brian Hasty coming to the realization of of his adulthood like really early as a <laughs> yeah, child. Age of like four or five, yeah. <laughs> I was the, I was definitely the heel to my you know, to my sister's baby face. That's a that's a great way to put it. Uh so like what wrestlers did you root for? I definitely like an attitude area, like people like um like Mankind and, and Stone Cold definitely like were the first I sort of like identified with because as they were coming to prominence, I sort of was like at that age where I was beginning my teen years, so I felt a lot of like anger at the establishment, right? So whenever Stone Cold would get mad at like Mr. McMahon, I, I felt that right. And at the same time mm-hmm. I was I was a little like one of those like uh kooky random teenagers, so uh mankind's shtick very much appealed to me. I can respect that. I think I got on the mankind bandwagon when he started to do the three faces of Foley kind of stuff. Oh yeah. Yeah. Where dude love came out and cactus Jack was my favorite just because, uh, he had one of the most badass themes in WWE of all time. Um, but, uh, for me, it started with Brett, the Hitman heart. He Mm. was just a hero in our household. He was like, uh, I remember feeling devastated, at WrestleMania 9 when he lost to Yokozuna, lost the title to Yokozuna in, like, one of the shadiest ways, you know, yeah. uh, Mr. Fuji throwing the salt in the face and right. all that stuff. Right. And then that really weird finish where Hulk Hogan came out and body slammed Yokozuna and won the <laughs> title. That was really weird. Uh, but, that yeah, going from there, I I sort of had a great respect for Owen Hart, Mm. after WrestleMania 10 when he beat Brett in that opening match. It was just a phenomenal match. And I always felt that he was uh, WWE title material, and he just never they yeah. just never let him develop to that point. But uh, moving into the Attitude Era, Stone Cold was a big fixture in our house. Just You hear that glass shatter, and it's just fucking you pretty you pretty much got out of your chair yeah and, and fucking cheered uh, even the rock i mean we always like we always made fun of the rock but the dude had charisma dripping off of him and everything and yeah that's a really good point because i have gone back recently and watched a couple of like pay-per-views from 99 2000 and the way that he gets an entire crowd to say all of his catchphrases for him mm-hmm. is, is kind of insane and i don't know any uh, modern era superstar that has that kind of hold on an audience continually no, and there are none that, like, I don't think there are as many catchphrases as there used to be, like, during that time period. I think, you know, there's, like, one catchphrase, you put it on a t-shirt, you wear it, but most of the time, you just don't repeat it around. But, yeah, people were just fucking eating up everything that he said. It didn't really matter whether he was a bad guy or a good guy or whatever. He could fill whatever role you needed, and he had, he just had incredible fucking mic skills. Just Agreed. fucking loved it. Uh, who the fuck else? I, a, a lot of, I loved a lot of the light heavyweight stuff that was going around, going on around that time, and then when Chris Jericho came over to WWE, that, that was like pivotal i became a fan of chris jericho uh when i was playing my cousin i think it was like wcw versus the world or wcw versus nwo i can't remember the game but it was for nintendo 64 and he just like creamed the fuck out of me every match that i faced him against and then i got chris jericho and i was doing all sorts of shit and i'm like okay i'm a lifelong chris jericho fan right (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah and also like uh yet another person with great mic skills right like i think that like that beyond wrestling ability like everyone can do a tumble but like to be able to captivate an audience like that once again i mm-hmm. think that like you know the the y2j the y2k stuff was super solid yeah no that's 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 totally fair that's totally fair um man 
Yeah, and and who the hell else? I I had a respect for Triple H back then. It, it, my best friend at the time really loved him, especially when he came back in 2002. And he even had the uh, leather jacket, jean jacket combo that was really terrible. It was ugly as fuck, but <laughs> it was great. But, like, yeah, like, um, other staples for me, Edge became a staple. Really just loved the fuck out of everything that he did. Uh, but uh, I think those are like the real pinnacle wrestlers, and even like maybe yeah. CM Punk in 2012. When <laughs> yeah, that I think that might be one of the last yeah. more modern wrestlers that I felt like a genuine connection with, where I wasn't just like, well, you know, he's doing a job here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, beyond you know, from 2012 up until the time that he left, yeah, it was just it, he felt fucking real. So yeah, I mean, also like uh, yeah, like a uh, Sami Zayn too, mm-hmm. I guess like. Uh, has a couple of really really great arcs. Uh, yeah, that's that's about it, I think. Yeah. Oh, Kevin Owens too, but that's just more so because he lives in the same neighborhood I do, and I've I've watched him wrestle in indies coming up. So I think that's more so like a personal connection than a, any sort of like on screen connection. I mean, in, in Montreal, you gotta have some like great indie shows that go on up there. There are. There's a IWS. There's a there's a bunch of them that uh, you can actually catch. Well, not right now, but on a monthly basis, and they're aired on um, RDS, which is like the French version of like a, a Canadian ESPN. Nice. So. Nice. That's awesome. Uh, we didn't really have a lot of that there up here, but uh, one of the coolest moments I ever had was with my father and my best friend. We went to see wrestling in Vermont, of all places. This was like <laughs> 2003, 2004, or something like that. We didn't exactly know where the show was going on, but we walked into this fucking high school, and it was in a high school gymnasium. I shit you not. And it was, I think it was SmackDown Stars at the time. This They had the okay. brand split going on, and the main event was like an eight-man tag, and Booker T had like made his return. So he was in this eight-man tag with uh, Rob Van Dam. I can't remember anybody else in the crowd, but uh, I was wearing fucking rob van dam apparel and everything my dad was wearing a booker t-shirt my buddy john was wearing a randy orton shirt and you know we were fucking you know having a great time when rob van dam came out uh, and he went to the top rope near me and he saw that i was fucking wearing a shit he pointed at me so that was cool as shit oh yeah. nice uh and no it's funny now that we're talking about this uh, i just had a random memory sort of drop out uh i once went to a polish hall in a in adjoining suburb uh in high school with this guy that i knew because he said hey there's a wrestling show it's 10 bucks come on in and i don't remember anything about the show except that there was like a a, a mid-show break where a local band came out and played a cover of the orgy version of blue monday <laughs> and that's all i remember <laughs> in in between matches and like to, like it was the most nondescript kind of evening ever it was it was fun I, I don't even know if the fed had a name but yeah i definitely like just remembered that now that we're talking that's pretty fucking amazing dude i love i love that <laughs> it was pretty it was pretty weird yeah so uh yeah let's get into the topic on uh, of this episode which is wrestling theme song so like what do you what what makes you connect to a theme song more than anything? I think there's there's a couple of aspects of a theme that have to work for me. The, firstly, it's the music itself, right? Is it catchy? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, do I vibe with it? And also, like, does it connect with the character quite yeah. well? You know, like having a really upbeat song for uh, The Undertaker, for example, doesn't really work necessarily. You need something that's like more somber and stuff. Um, so I feel like it needs to serve the character as well as um, independently, like on its own merits, be a good song. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree on all those aspects. And once you like move from like the eras in WWE, you don't really get to the good theme songs until you get into like the Attitude Era and later eras because most of what pe- people's gimmicks were were like occupational related. Yeah, <laughs> you had Duke the Dumpster Drosy, which I do believe he had a garbage truck sounder in his fucking theme song and it was terrible you had uh big daddy cool diesel who you know had that fucking mac truck fucking sound at the beginning and shit and like he had the like cool sex fucking the music to come out to uh beyond that like yeah like irs yeah, irs like- uh 
the Mountie. <laughs> the Mountie. Uh, I'm just trying to think of other occupational ones that I'm, I'm trying to think of. Oh, uh, like Ted DiBiase, like the million, like, yeah, you know. million dollar man, uh, Isaac Yankum DDS. Uh, there's a, there's a fuck ton of them. And once you get in, yeah. Largely they're not good song no, songs. Though. No, <laughs> that's the bigger issue, right? No, the only good songs that I would say came out of that fucking era were, uh, Brett, the Hitman hearts theme song, which is a fucking classic. Just, great all over um sean michaels theme song which i don't know if it's nostalgia at this point or if it's actually somewhat decent because you're talking about sexy boy yeah okay so i actually had sexy boy under like my bad songs yeah it's it's up there but like the thing is is like it didn't matter like everybody fucking pop for that song <laughs> but if you actually listen to the song songs it almost reads like a pedophile trying to entice children yeah you got a point there you got a point it doesn't like when you when you listen to it like i listened to it like uh, yesterday or last night and i was just like this is this is quite troubling uh in terms of like uh you know uh, naked sexuality <laughs> yeah that's that's completely fair it has been moved to my bad list at this point uh, so let, let's get into the the good because the bad is going to be uh, great fucking yes. comedy fodder. But uh, so for my list, one theme that I think like often gets probably overlooked is uh, Vader's theme, and I fucking oh nice loved the fucking shit out of that. It, like you know, it, it began with you know the it's time, it's time, it's Vader time, and then like the fucking guitar riff it's like holy shit there's a big man coming to the fucking ring you better watch the fuck out yeah uh i would also add to that um degeneration x fucking every time you heard it it was like i don't know maybe it was because of like my teenage years which is when degeneration x really came into their own and you know hormones flying but you hear that song you're going wild you're thinking you're gonna see some boobies or some shit because sometimes <laughs> you did see them on the dvds you know or the videotapes vhs's but like you always popped for that one because you knew some shit was gonna go down see i totally agree with that and it was also on my list i put down dx's like suck it theme uh it, it's like uh, the perfect encapsulation of the the snarky kind of like snot-nosed way in which uh dx's members sort of operated mm-hmm. you know compare that to to solo sean michaels and sexy boy like i'd rather take the more uh juvenile approach that feels uh, uh more organic in a certain kind of way oddly enough yeah yeah completely i completely agree with that it's uh fuck just debauchery over and well, over again you you just know that you would get some some tongue-in-cheek yeah. mic work some like you know like uh apart from like the the more established wrestlers who sort of like kept to kayfabe it almost felt like they were winking at the audience a lot of the time whenever like they would come to the ring and i really really enjoyed that yeah 100 percent. they just fucking it was break. It was pretty much breaking kayfabe most of the time. I mean, especially with the stuff uh, with the tank rolling into WCW. Yeah. It was fucking <laughs> yeah, exactly. just fucking great. So fucking great. Uh, as much as I hate this trash person, Hulk Hogan's theme song is like essential. I think it's essential. Yeah. Just given that you know, fucking, he probably made Rick Derringer's career more than it was ever going to be set out to be. So I actually did have Real American on my list too, basically for the same reasons you did. I also feel like it's kind of the OG like wrestling entrance of the modern era that like you can identify with as much. Yeah, as you're saying, like uh, you know, let's let's be honest here. Like Hulk Hogan is a real piece of shit uh, in and out of the ring. Uh, but the iconic way in which the song was played and also is now used ironically, I find in different places, which is just as amusing to me. Um, when you hear it, you know who it's about. Yeah, one hundred percent. Holy fuck. And, you know, Hulk Hogan, in my childhood, he was transitioning into, like, NWO territory. And I didn't get to see a lot of the, you know, yellow and red fucking Hulk Hogan. But when you watch back the tapes, man, you could just fucking feel it. You're in there. You're. It's like you're, I don't know, you're about to watch a fucking war movie. And, like, the Americans just showed up and some shit. Uh, and, like, you know, shit's gonna go down, except for that time that the Macho Man beat him and the <laughs> Ultimate Warrior. But uh, the, the dude was kind of, like, 
you know, spotless. When he lost, he he fucking made an emotional impact every single time, and then yep. he just yeah. became a giant piece of shit. But um, I think on on that same end, uh, I put the NWO theme on there, and like I don't think okay. the N- I don't think the NWO theme is like the pinnacle of anything, but I think. It set the precedent for all the cool shit that you would see in WCW when NWO were fucking coming up and, like, changing the establishment, taking the fucking ratings away from the WWE, which were pretty much the mainstays for ever, fucking ever. And then you got these guys come up, the Monday Night Fucking Wars, and, you know, for 83 straight weeks, they fucking beat them in the ratings. And it's largely because of the NWO and... The NWO just kind of became a caricature of itself over time. At one point, I remember, uh, I think it was one of the Russell Crap guys actually wrote a book about the Monday Night Wars, and at one point he was listing off all the different people who had joined the NWO, and it was something like 80% of the roster or something stupid like that ended up more, like being able to like put it on an NWO shirt. Yeah, pretty much. It just became yeah. like a, a running joke after, I would say probably after Goldberg beat Hulk Hogan. That's <laughs> yeah. when it became a joke. That's a good place to, to sort of like draw that line, absolutely. On my list, um, there are two that you've mentioned already mm. um, uh, in the preamble. One of them is, of course, uh, Glass Shatters, and I'm talking about the disturbed version of Glass Shatters. Oh, yeah, you're all about that fucking version. Yeah. I, I want to use that in real life as like an entrance to, to multiple things. I do feel like it's a great summation of like who Stone Cold was um, at the time, right? He was this badass. He hated his boss. He was just, you know, a, a redneck son of a bitch who didn't give a shit. And so I feel like um, that song in particular kind of like had that like stomping rock feel to it that like befitted his character quite well. Yeah. And I think the most amazing thing about that is like the driving force behind that song is a fucking organ. Like, holy yeah, shit. Yeah. Like, yeah, there's that fucking riff, you know, that you're listening to that sounds like a fucking shark just prowling the water, but it's just like, it's supported by this fucking organ that you just keep hearing going, and it's fucking amazing. Like the way The way that that fucking song comes together is fucking amazing. Something else on my list that I know you'll appreciate, the game, like the Motorhead version of the game. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You cannot fucking go wrong with that. And once again, like a perfect, uh, like emblematic way of introducing a character uh, with a great band playing playing the song. So I felt like it really ended up uh, synergistically, like quite well. One hundred percent. And I mean, I can only imagine the royalties that they ended up paying out to use that fucking song all the time. And I mean, the, it, Triple H is still using it today. And I mean, he's used remix versions of it that suck and drinks some water, fucking spits it back out once he gets to the ring and like. He's got that really intimidating fucking presence. It, it feeds into the package of Triple H just like perfectly. I agree. Uh, someone else that you've mentioned, uh, Chris Jericho's Break Down the Wall is another iconic theme that I really, really love. I feel like it perfectly encapsulates um, who he was at the time. And, uh, you know, when it hits, it's just like, you know what's coming. Yeah, absolutely. You know that you're getting one of the greatest wrestlers of all fucking time. Kind of a dangerous dude, but also really good with the mic skills, can make you laugh and can pull off something serious at the fucking same time. And, like, it, it was fun to watch his character grow from the time that he got into the WWE to like uh his later years there and i mean now his AEW stuff is fucking hilarious the fact that he can cut a promo on Vanguard 1 is just so <laughs> fucking amazing so amazing i mean and right before that too his uh his list shtick right with uh with Kevin Owens too i thought was yeah. really really interesting i felt like he is perhaps one of the most underrated wrestlers in terms of consistency over the last like couple of decades cuz i felt like he hasn't really like had a lot of bad turns no, I think he's always been able to play his character just so fucking well. And not only that, but also just being able to make it seem fresh and fucking new with some new gimmick or something at the time. Like, the dude's multi-talented. He does uh, so many different things well. He's a good writer. He's not a half-bad singer. Um, that. The, I, I like Judas when uh, in AEW when it's like riffed off like the first time that they fucking played that and like uh, they had that one guy fucking riffing off on it doing the karaoke <laughs> version that was fucking great that was fucking great 
I was gonna say the last the last theme on my list is the Undertaker's original theme. Yes, With yeah, that funeral absolutely. bell. Once that hits, you know you're screwed. Oh fucking a! You knew that you were in for shit, and it was just there. That theme brought so much fucking atmosphere to the goddamn ring every single time. You knew that the Undertaker was gonna come out. He didn't lose that often. Uh, his losing streaks really started when he became the badass Undertaker. Or yes, like, which is what I have on the list in all caps. It says, not the American badass. You can't force me to like bike or take her. And this was written in all caps. <laughs> That's great. So I'm just, just putting that out there. Yeah. I, I You know, it was this weird thing where I felt like um, Taker was perfect for the Attitude Era. They didn't need to change him. So I I kind of really got perturbed when they started turning him into like a, a biker dude. Like, I don't understand why that pivots. I mean, sure, something different. But I don't feel like it connected with many people. No, I don't think it connected with nearly the amount of people that they thought I would it was just he became more vulnerable at that point he got fucking eliminated by uh, in a royal rumble by fucking maven and nobody talks about maven anymore <laughs> he wasn't tough enough good for him he was a small scrawny shit that just did nothing i mean that's just the way that you 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 pop the new talent right yeah yeah sure i i guess uh i i'm like i'm doing like devil's advocate here because i definitely do agree with you that like you know, uh, Taker is an almost uh, undeniably great presence. And once again, like I, uh, his most recent match at WrestleMania was super cool to watch. Um, shot outside. Uh, really well done. Um, super different. Um, so I'm glad he's still able to like pick a man up. Well, hip on a replacement surgery like will do that for you. <laughs> and perhaps also a touch of roids, but that is neither here nor there. Uh, yeah, maybe maybe just a little bit. But yeah, the Boneyard match was just fucking phenomenal. Yeah. Fucking great. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, in terms of, like, uh, uh, the good entrances that I felt, like, really hit well, I'd say, would be those, like, six or seven. Apart from that, like, a lot of more stuff is, like, very generic, and I feel like it's cool, but doesn't capture my attention the way that these did. Yeah, no, that's understandable. Uh, I would add to that um, the Shield, uh, oh, back when yeah. they were doing the Shield shit, like, when they were in that initial run holy fuck you knew that like your favorite wrestler if they were in the ring were about to get the fucking shit beaten out of them it didn't matter who it fucking was they were coming down they were surrounding whoever the fuck it was and they were beating the shit out of them and i i think that's the last time i really got excited for anything in wrestling uh, aside from that one uh, money in the bank cash in that seth rollins had at like wrestlemania 31 i think it was or whatever but Fucking, I, it, it wasn't long after the shield broke up that I kind of just like dipped off on my viewing. Yeah. Cause like they legitimately made me excited for wrestling because it was like, it was like months before any of them wrestled. And like when they did, it, it was just executed really perfectly. Well, here's a question for you actually as a follow up. Like what excites you about wrestling? It, characters that I can relate to, storylines that I can relate to. I also just like really enjoy when wrestlers can tell a story through rest, you know, wrestling matches itself. Mm-hmm. So, like the a lot of the stuff NXT does these days is just phenomenal. They those guys tell a fucking story through you know the actual matches and not just on the mic. They they use the mic when they fucking need to, but like. They know how to build characters up through having these matches and shit like that, and it's been fun to watch some of them do that. Like, um, uh, Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa, like watching those guys for the last few years. It's like it's just been this long ass fucking story told over time and through injuries and shit, and it's been phenomenal. You know, like all the way through. So uh, that and. Like, watching just talent, like, evolve there and then move up to the roster and then, like, the WWE has no idea what the fuck to do with them. And <laughs> a decade old problem. Talent. Yeah, it's just, like, once Vince McMahon is gone, I think we'll be in a, in a much better spot. He likes, but he likes his super muscled, oily man, right? So He likes extreme football too but right. that that just doesn't seem to keep working out for him my wife showed me a video where he's also like a huge germaphobe and like if you sneeze around him yes. he like flips the fuck out yes yeah he is a huge germaphobe and i mean the dude's up there so yeah. 
uh, completely understandable, but like, I, I mean, there's Howie Mandel levels, and then yeah. there's uh, Vince McMahon levels, which probably end in like some dude getting their ass beat. <laughs> I definitely do echo your sentiments about like why I will continue to sort of like haphazardly watch wrestling as I grow older. Uh, you know, a connection to characters, um, interesting stories that aren't overblown or like too comic booky, which I feel um, sometimes, especially post Attitude Era when they were trying to be more wholesome kind of felt a lot of the stories felt too facile almost it's like very easy like good versus evil where like i sort of like live in the grays a little bit more yeah yeah 100 percent uh i think there's one theme that we're we haven't touched on yet and yeah it's a universal theme but i think it needs to be put in the good category and it's rick flair's theme. oh yeah you cannot oh yeah you can you cannot go wrong with uh that fucking you know what you're in for when you hear it. You're in for greatness, taking its time, walking to the ring because it can. You're you're there for really flashy fucking robes, this illusion of like millions of dollars, even though like fucking Ric Flair blew through a lot of money uh, and shit. But uh, that theme, fucking fucking incredible. So on the flip side, let's talk about some real pieces of shit. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about the worst of the fucking worst. And and um, the first one that I have on this list, and it's one that we've already mentioned, the Mountie. Holy <laughs> fuck. The, one of the worst garbage themes I've ever heard. And I'm like, oh, man. Uh, so here's the problem you know, with that, Rob. Uh, uh, yeah. We've claimed you an honorary Canadian, and yet this is the shit you pull. To be fair... Uh, Brian Adams was being hella racist Ugh. on Instagram last night, so I think yeah. I think we're even right now. Uh, and I think in terms of like uh, uh, transgressions, yours is relatively minor compared to that, right? So, <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent. And uh, I hope that Brian Adams never sells another ticket as long as he lives. So, so what? There we go. What about the Mounties theme bothers you? The uh, the spoken word vocals oh yes where where he's you know the mountie he's handsome and 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 all this shit he's strong and he keeps it's like a rap sheet you know and there are these themes in wwe where people are kind of going through their fucking rap sheet kind of like the honky tonk man's Mm. theme song which is also a steaming pile of shit but i think the mountie takes it because like he can't sing and it's just god awful It, it it greats on the years uh, similarly about that uh one of my first and uh most angering entrance themes is uh, something you call me in the intro and i'm picking billy Gunn's mr ass oh my god Rob, just a i'm gonna fucking... read i'm gonna read some lines to you here are you ready please do please <clears throat> do so many asses so little time a little tight one can stop me on a dime i'm a lover <laughs> of every kind the best surprises always sneak up from behind <laughs> and like billy gunn has had a history of just like god-awful theme songs yeah like this i think in particular like it, you know like i kind of wanted those like uh, embroidered stitches like that's what i want like this house is, is our home etc cetera, etc cetera, but this is what i want <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, and like holy shit like i listened to the uh uh i'm an ass man theme oh, song god. earlier today oh my god. and it's just like who loves to shove them? I don't get it. Yeah. Like nobody shoves ass. What the fuck, Billy Gunn? Do you think the uh, composer is like, yes, this is this is perfect for you know Billy Gunn? Let's just continue on this like trajectory of ass let's songs. Just, let's just say this is not one of Jim Johnston's high points. No, <laughs> uh, there are many low points, but I do feel like that is 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 really amongst them, unfortunately. Oh yeah, fucking a goddamn. That but I also um, feel like it's it's kind of emblematic of the attitude era in general. When you ha- need to point to something, I think like Mr. Ass, like the Mr. Ass theme song is is definitely like yeah, this is what it was about. You know, I think it has like a novelty uh, uh, ability in many people to the point where it could trigger the nostalgia, but like it still sucks. Yeah, it just sucks it, ass. It literally sucks ass. Yeah, <laughs> quite. <literally. laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Fuck balls. Um, I think uh, we need to talk about NWO Wolfpack. Oh, right? God, yeah. That and... <laughs> that's, that's a good one to put on this list. Just, like, 
did they think they were cool by having like a rap song? Oh God, I feel or like... a, a pseudo rap song. I can't totally say that's a rap song. No, but like the 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 spoken words were uh, in a sort of cadence that suggested uh, a rap like monotony, I guess. Yeah, and the mention of body bags, I think they were kind of assuming they were bringing it in the same way that like DMX brought it back in the day or some right. shit. It was just and, it's, it's it's a really good pick because like it is an extremely um uh, it, yeah, it's like white boy rap, but like really bad white boy rap. Yeah, and let's be honest, DMX, he brought the tax evasion. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, the Wolfpack theme song can uh, can take a walk. I agree with that. That's a that's a good bad pick. It's uh, just a god awful fucking piece of trash, and like I'll never be able to get that fucking do 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 do. It's like it's like in your head, and uh, every bad fucking experience that I can think of is there. And I mean. That is how you have Sting affiliated with the NWO. Yeah. Like the only time. Yeah. And it just got awful. God fuck. Um, as I said before, I was uh, Shawn Michaels' sexy boy. Really, uh, I don't know who the theme song is for, but it's clearly not for the rest of us. So No. Um, no, no, no. And the next one that I have isn't necessarily like one kind of theme song, but it's a type of theme song. So I'm talking about the ethnic theme song, whether it be Hornswoggle oh, yeah. or like William Regal, any of the more royal sounds to me, um, very stock feeling. Right. Uh, the only uh, superstar that I can think of that it really worked for was Yokozuna. And that's yeah, because they... But that was different. They, I felt like it, there, there were less horns used in there. Oh, there were far less horns, but like they were pushing his like uh they were trying to make him seem Japanese. He was Polynesian, but the idea, you know, behind it, this sumo wrestling type, it, it worked for him. But yeah, pretty much when you get into the ethnic shit, doesn't work. No, it's very like it's almost like a little too racist. Yeah, just a little too fucking... Because there are ways to, to bring yeah. up culture without it being, like, you know, very, very obvious and hitting you over the head with it. Yeah, 100%. Speaking of hitting yourself <laughs> over the head with it, I, I want to bring up fucking R-Truth theme oh, song. Because yeah, that's... Jesus Christ. <laughs> what, what's up? I mean, uh, he basically says the same lyrics over and over again. And at the beginning, you can't always tell what the fuck he's saying but like that lazy ass bullshit of you know what's up what's up what's up what's up what fuck that it could like rob i was expecting you to go on for two to three minutes there you can get with this or you can get with that (laughs) yeah uh that is a great horrible pick um let us travel back to about 10 11 years ago rob the Unholy Alliance of X-Pac, Just Incredible, and Albert, also known as X-Factor, <laughs> yielded, X-Factor. <laughs> yielded the Uncle Cracker song, What You Looking At, which I forgot existed. Um, I remember back in the day, I was out of wrestling at that point, and I have a friend of mine who's like a, a pretty big mark and has been like, you know, uh, involved and watching for pretty consistently for the last like 25 years, let's say, and he said, you need to hear this. And sure enough, I listened to it. I looked it up. I felt shame, sadness, and also like a little bit of joy that I wasn't actively uh, involved in uh, cheering this on. That's completely fair. Holy fuck. Like, has anybody ever uttered the name Uncle Cracker and ever felt good coming out of that? No. I don't no. think so. Uh, no, uh, there no. was one Jeopardy question. Or sorry, uh, it w- yeah, it was a Jeopardy question that uh, Alex Trebek had asked about. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's your pinned yeah. fucking tweet. <laughs> the only time that Uncle Cracker got some credibility, I think, was uh, out of the mouth of Alex Trebek, right? So, <laughs> uh, Alex Trebek definitely brings the credibility. He also uh, does not appear to like nerds. I feel like it's a push and pull with him. I feel like he does, but doesn't at the same time because they're his main sort of fan base, I guess, right? Like to the casual viewer, sure, Alex Trebek, but the real nerds definitely sit down and watch that every night. Yeah, you've got a point there. And he's also a Canadian staple, so. It's true, and we'll take him. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Don't let go of that man. Don't let go of that man. Uh, Fuck. Do you remember uh, Rob Conway? Vaguely. Do you remember his theme song, Brian? No, I do not. Okay, so Rob Conway, kind of a throwaway, like, really buff-looking guy, okay? Just tall, kind of like a, 
mm, small, slightly smaller version of Batista. And his theme song sounds like a fucking Randy Newman knockoff. Just look at me. Huh. Oh, just look at me. Yeah. And, it's, and it just goes, look at me. Oh, yes, look at me. And it just <laughs> it keeps going and going. It is the worst fucking theme song for a wrestler, I think, ever. And, you know, the idea is like, you know, look at this guy. He's a fucking specimen. Yeah. yeah. I, I looked him up just to get a visual idea of who he is. So I went to his Wikipedia page. He uh, was uh, part of the JCW, the Juggalo Championship uh, yes. r- uh, Wrestling um, Stable uh, in the mid to 2010s. So good for him. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that was back in TNA, right? Yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Briefly. I, I sort of recognize him. Like, I remember him in the late 90s. Uh, but yeah, I can tell you much about him otherwise. Uh, Brian, you need to listen to that theme oh song. Speaking uh, of theme songs you need to listen to, Rob, the last one on my list is uh, one that uh, is often on a lot of worst entrance lists for a very good reason. And uh, I'm talking about, let's go like real old school. And I'm going to talk to you about the American Males theme song, which is Buff Bagwell and Scotty Riggs. Oh my God. It is... Talk <laughs> about a fucking train wreck of a song. Dude, it's like a shitty Devo knockoff and it could have worked in um like as an in song movie for like a revenge of the nerd sequel almost american males 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 when you say that i'm coming back yeah yeah i could i could fucking see that because this is like Buff Bagwell before they were pushing him as like a porn star. Yeah, when he was when he was Marcus Bagwell. Yes, Marcus fucking Bagwell. Uh, he's involved in like nightclub shit now. I think okay. in Vegas. Okay, but yeah, if you go and Google the even just the 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 promo pics of the American Males, like something is really off with both of them. Oh my fucking god! You're goddamn right. I'm, they fucking are. Um, son of a bitch. And it's just like it is the worst theme song. Like who? Uh, smartly was like let's get through with this <laughs> yeah right okay can i can i read some of the lyrics oh no to yeah this, I, I, to this song the floor is yours Rob. okay so uh you know it says american males like the, the first seven you know stanzas of this fucking thing are american males so when you see them coming better run for cover Girls, you don't need a weekend lover <laughs> american males american males <laughs> <laughs> oh my god if they want to talk you better not listen you might wind up in critical condition <laughs> god damn it <laughs> they're irresistible they're unpredictable american man yeah, yeah, yeah. so the weird thing i think about this theme song is uh uh there's always and i remember this in watching some of the archived wcw stuff it almost felt like homoerotic uh, in terms of like their pairing, and like they w- were going out of their way to you know that weird thing of like if you're in the closet and you try to like be a real man over and over, yeah, so you're yeah, overcompensating. Yeah. This kind of felt like like that. Yeah, like uh, pushing themselves a little too hard, like a little too harder, like Chuck and Billy. Yeah, <laughs> yes, exactly. And their theme song was god awful too. <laughs> I think the worst Santa wrestling theme can be is, is just boring, but I, I I also enjoy the so bad it's good. So like all of the ones that I've listed. Oh, uh, there's one more actually that I want to talk about, Rob. Yeah. And uh, it, it's John Cena's basic economics. Oh my god! Like this is the story of a man who went from a bad theme to a great theme, to a fucking iconic theme. And yeah, we should have probably mentioned it in the good ones just because of how much of a pop that fucking thing gets and. One of my favorite pieces of pop culture of the last, like, um, 10 years is there's, like, a vine of a kid playing the John Cena theme song with flutes in his nose. Yes, yes, that is fucking classic. Just so fucking great. And, like, how many uh, how many theme songs can someone play to you on a flute up their nose and you be, you're like, yes, I know exactly this theme song? Yeah, 100%. It's just so fucking iconic. It's, like, some fucking... It almost has this like Mexican kind of theme to it. Or yeah, it's just like yeah. you, you could hear it, you know, 
like in like maybe a bullfight going on or something like that. Um, but it, it stands for fuck. something, and it's it, once again on its own as a song. It it stands up pretty well. I agree, and I can only imagine the number of Make a Wish kids that fucking pop for that yeah. thing. So versus how many kids for popped for Basic Economics, which is probably in the negatives. Yeah, totally, totally negatives. Uh, one recommendation that I can have that I have for our listeners is that if you really want to see John Cena in like the funniest element that you can find, search the internet for five questions with the champ. I used to fucking tune in for these segments all the fucking time. And the thing is, is like they were produced by the Brooklyn brawler. And I did not know that. Okay. Yeah. Oh man. I will send you some, please do. uh, And we'll drop him in the show. notes too, actually. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you ca- you can't find them in many places anymore because I think the WWE took them down from uh, YouTube. But there's a few of them out there. And the thing is, is like they have this. They had this segment because they felt like they didn't really get to know John Cena by the time he became WWE champion because it was pretty fast. It was within like I don't know, like a year or so, I think, and. They had this fucking segment, and he would get five questions from the audience, and they would send him in via email, and like he would answer the questions. And the thing was, he was taking it seriously up front, and then it got sillier and sillier. And every time that he swore, you would see a small image of the Brooklyn Brawler's head come up uh, over his mouth, and it would say something like, uh-uh. I wouldn't say that, John. <laughs> Shit like that. It was so fucking hilarious. Oh, my God. I, I fucking miss it. I fucking miss that program. But, uh, yeah, Five Questions with the Champ is definitely something you need to get your hands on. I think they put it in – I think they put, uh, like, a supercut of every segment that he did in one of his DVDs. Okay. But uh, fucking just so incredible. It might even be on the fucking network. I'm not sure, but – Definitely five questions with the champ. I would add to this list of really terrible fucking songs. The uh, Rob Van Dam theme when he went over to TNA oh, because yeah. it was it was just like Rob Van Dam, the whole effing show. It's like shut the fuck up, and it, that's all it all it fucking did. I think the absolute worst theme song that has ever been a theme song, if you want to call it a theme song. Is the right to censor fucking theme song. <laughs> Dear fucking God. The most annoying fucking thing you can hear because it's just like a fucking alarm bell going off and you got these prudish motherfuckers which consisted of a lapsed, you know, Val Venus and the Godfather just fucking coming to the ring, you know, just being like the great fucking foils to all the fucking uncensored shit that they had. But dear God, that theme song. Well, one of my favorite things too shit. is just like they owned no sleeves ever. No, no sleeves at all. And I don't know if that's how they maintain their slight edginess, but it's there if if you really want to fuck. Yeah, wasn't there like it was like it was like a jazz beat and then like uh the word warning just kept getting fucking screamed over and over again? Um Heidenreich, Heidenreich had like one of the worst themes because it, the dude just kept saying Heidenreich over and again and over again. It was like Hyden, Hyden Reich, Hyden Reich. Like, no, no, shut the fuck up. No, yeah, I agree. Like, it, it didn't work out it well. Could guys, have been, that could have been a more badass character, but just like he became like a comedic foil. So. Well, it's going to misfire, right? Yeah, complete and total misfire. Uh, Men on a mission, just really bad rapping, terrible oh rapping. I think we're seeing a, I think we're seeing a trend here, Rob. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. Just there's there's no good rapping in fucking WWE, and I think they no. should just cut the fucking shit. That is that is untrue. Uh, 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 Macho Man's album's okay. <laughs> I have not listened to Macho Man's album. It uh, came out well, like 2004, 2005, I think. Let me yeah. use the internet, right? And I think that I was pleasantly surprised at how okay it was. <laughs> pleasantly surprised by how okay it was. Because I expected a train wreck, right? You, you just expect a train wreck. Brian, I want you to start reviewing albums and saying presently surprised by how okay. Okay, no, sorry, I apologize. It was uh, a 2003. It was called Be a Man, and yeah. I remember the yeah. Of course, the cover is just Macho Man with a bunch of chains. Yeah, absolutely. I remember the cover. I just never listened to the fucking album, but uh, 
he was branching out at that point. He was in Spider Man. He was fucking yeah, yeah. Do, he was everywhere, man. He also had a diss record uh, yeah. against Hulk Hogan, which was the theme, uh, which was the the title track of "Be a Man." Fucking amazing! Fucking incredible! Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> um, William Regal's man, real man's theme, like no, man's man. No, that was no fucking trash. Um, yeah, I think that I think I hit on the oh. I don't know if you remember the Red Rooster from way back in the day in the 80s. Yes. But it, his theme song had fucking roosters, you know, crowing on it, and it was so fucking bad. Oh, and uh, the the final one. I mean, we talked about the good Triple H theme. There's the bad one, which is the OG one, which is really just fucking annoying. But I mean, it, but I feel like that falls under like the sort, not necessarily ethnic, but like uh, uh, the the money diversions of that. Like I felt like it, it kind of like was like the real Regal ish. Yeah kind of vibe where it's just like all right guys like we understand we we get where you come from you pompous dick and i and while it serves a purpose it's not a good one no it's it's not a good uh, good one but we want to know what the good ones are from you so if what are you, you talking about no we want to know the bad ones and, and yeah let's ones. be honest we want to know the god-awful ones the ones you hate too so uh the code cast at gmail.com and the code podcast on twitter and instagram just get at us what wrestling theme songs did you love and which ones did you loathe we we want to know it all and you know we'll celebrate them we'll celebrate them all the good and the bad the like show us more uh instances of white boy rapping is what i want to know right <laughs> fucking white boy rapping just running wild all in this shit and <laughs> fuck oh like that did you remember when fucking billy kidman had like a dmx song that he came yes. out yes yes <laughs> so bad i feel like i'm just i'm just i'm i'm rooting out so many like random memories of things that i've forgotten because i haven't thought about them in like 20 years and now like it's all slowly tumbling out again like when you mentioned that it's, there's all this stuff that's just like right that was actually a thing that existed in time yeah middling wcw was really middling and <laughs> Yeah, that's a good way, buddy. Yeah, uh, it it was really terrible, but um, I think that's gonna do us for this fucking episode. <laughs> I'm, I'm ready to I'm ready to fucking come out to the ring and kick some ass, Brian. But uh, in I the got meantime, the chairs, bro. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. In the meantime, don't forget to keep the cans on. <laughs>